0: Little forms burn toxic green, vacant eyes lit with everlasting hellfire. Hey, hey, and welcome. To the next episode of Let's Watch Scary Movies We are your horror hosts I'm Jenny And I'm Caitlin And we're here to talk about scary movies Because it's what we love It and is what we love It is what we love And it's what I spend half of my time doing When I'm not recording the podcast But only this time I get to talk to you And all our listeners rather than just my cats Who are probably sick <laughs> of it, to be honest So um, how are you this week, Caitlin?
1: Yes, I'm very well, thank you. It's interesting because I was having a think about sort of, I was trying to explain to people at my job about the podcast and just sort of saying, it, we kind of conceived of it during lockdown when we were talking about, I was listening to a ton of podcasts during lockdown, COVID lockdown, because um, I felt lonely and I wanted some voices in the house to feel like I wasn't on my own. And that's how we sort of decided, you know, what if we made a podcast where it kind of sounds like you're just hanging out with your best friend talking about,
0: scary movies yeah and
1: thus it was born
0: yep because that's what we do most of the time when we're together yeah just not even
1: intention we party yeah sometimes we go out and do cultural things then we come back home and watch scary movies and talk about them <laughs> so we might as well
0: <laughs> until we fall asleep in each other's <laughs> arms this episode as the last couple have been, are remotely recorded i'm at home in nottingham and caitlin is in her flat in london but very excitingly i am going down to london next week to spend a whole week with my best friend a whole week of snuggles yeah well also it is thanksgiving next week
1: and And i'm i'm forcing all the non-americans to participate in thanksgiving so
0: i like thanksgiving Mainly because I like the food. I mean, who doesn't like
1: Thanksgiving? You eat,
0: you drink, you watch
1: American football. It's just a good day. You hang it's, out. It's
0: it's love. like a it's like a practice run for Christmas. It is. It's Christmas rehearsal. Yeah,
1: but without the capitalist uh, overtones.
0: Yeah, you don't have all the presents. You just get to eat a lot of food. Exactly. And drink a um, lot. Um. I'm
1: excited that you're coming, and her and Jenny's sister is coming. Shout out to Jess. Um, so I'm excited to have the the sisters uh, come (laughs) and stay with me so that we fun, and we're going to record some episodes
0: while we are present together which is always nice it is and it'll be nice as well because it means that we get to watch films together because that's one of our favorite things to do like you know my favorite thing about watching I I do watch a lot of horror film on my own because I work from home and my husband's out all day and it's just me and the cats so I do watch a lot of horror film at home but then I'm like but I just want to talk about it and then if no one else has seen the film. I'm like, oh, okay. I'll just you know What we should do? We should do a live, a live like. I was gonna it. say this. I think we should do because now we have the Facebook group. So if any of you are not on it and you're on Facebook, um, just look up for uh, it's let's watch scary movies podcast. I think is the um. It's the name of the group but it, uh, page, but it's also like the, the the Facebook tag for us. Come join us on Facebook and chat. Yeah, we
1: should do that because I've noticed Amazon Prime does this thing now where you can do a, a movie watch along re- remotely.
0: Yeah, as in you start a a watch movie. Watch party. At the same
1: time. Yeah, watch party. I've not tried it, but we should. So maybe we'll do a live. We'll 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 talk more about that. But yeah, it'll,
0: it'll go out on our socials if we if we are definitely going to do that. But it would be. But fun. I do know
1: excitingly that because Jenny's in charge of the Facebook thing um that we have some with some feedback we yes comment.
0: we do so we've been you know I've both of us have been asking for uh listener listener feedback listener comments we just want to talk to you basically this whole thing is about chatting to your friends about scary movies so we have had a really good comment actually about not Halloween kills about Halloween 2018 and you know as we were podcasters we were, Coming from a slightly different angle about the the podcaster's demise in Halloween 2018. But one of our amazing listeners, Samantha, has sent us a message saying she actually had a really good point. I'm I'm just reading this now, but she's put, I love that they're doing an unmasking piece, a delve into who Michael is and what happened. Then they have his mask. They have literally unmasked him, but boom, turns out Masked Michael and unmasked Michael are both bad, a bad time. And I was like. <laughs> I feel like it is a commentary on some folk just being rotten through and through. There is no mask. <laughs> I'm like, yes. yeah.
1: Absolutely absolutely interesting and accurate point. Thank you, yep. Samantha. Uh, and I think the mask, and I think you talked about this a little bit in um, Halloween Kills at the end where Karen kind of lures him with his mask out into the crowd. But yeah, with the mask, without the mask, he, he, he's still a killer. Yeah. But- I do think there is some sort of there's something going on with the mask there. Yeah, you know?
0: yeah ab- absolutely. But yeah, I just like the fact that you know that like she says they're trying to do this big like in depth piece. They're trying to find out what you know what apparently Doctor Loomis and the other doctors haven't been able to for forty years. And they're like, we're gonna unmask and find out about the real Michael. And they find out about the real Michael, and he fucks them up. So yes, <laughs> thank you for that, Samantha. Also-
1: Yes, thank you, Samantha. And again, anybody out there, Facebook, uh, we don't have a Twitter because I mean, should we? I don't know. But we don't have one I don't yet. use Twitter.
0: I know you do. I have a Twitter. Are I just I don't think I ever use it. Much
1: more active on Instagram and things like that. And I know yeah. that you are on Facebook. I am not, but please find us, even if it's like the personal account, the you know, just reach out to yeah, us. Yeah, so we have community. obviously
0: you can send us voice notes on Anchor. You can um, leave us feedback on, and we'd love it. We'd love some Apple reviews. So it really helps us really, out. It really helps us out. So rate and review. We've had none so far. I'd be your best friend forever. Sorry, Caitlin, if you were uh, would rate it. would rate and review us on on Apple just so to help spread the word because the more reviews we have, and the higher we're rated, the more people get to listen to us talk, and then hopefully join in the conversation that we're trying to have. So yeah, you can message us on Instagram, you can message us on the Facebook group, you can email us at movies at gmail.com. Just just talk to us, please. Ever so lonely. Yes, and having said that, I mean,
1: should we get into it? I think we should. We're talking this week about... A movie that I love, Get Out, Jordan Get out. Peele's
0: directorial debut. I and have, what did they do? yeah, I have like a bit of a thing for Jordan Peele. I think. Oh, like a sexual thing? Oh yeah,
1: he's like hot and smart and, and really, really funny, and really funny. Yeah.
0: But he, but he knows good horror.
1: You can tell. And I think this is about Rob Zombie as well, when you're talking about kind of newer yep. contemporary horror films, you can tell someone who really loves the genre and kind of knows their shit. Yeah. Um, and I think Jordan Peele falls into that category, definitely. Absolutely.
0: Um, I've listened to a couple of interviews with him. I mean, I've been binge-watching Eli Roth's History of Horror on Shudder, shout out Shudder, and listening to the podcast version Um, which i highly recommend they're two kind of different show uh, like things so the tv show is each episode is about you know ghost movies or monster movies or vampires and they have a load of different people from from film and television um talking about them but the podcast each episode is the full uncut interview with the one person so the very first one I listened to was Stephen King which was amazing I think you should listen to that Kate. Then, as a Stephen King fan I think you'd enjoy
1: it I've actually added the podcast because I do not have Shudder full disclosure I've added the podcast to my listen list or what, what, what have you um so
0: yeah I'm excited to get into that but Jordan Peele is in the show but he's not his his interview isn't I don't think on the podcast yet um, so instead I looked for some other ones and I found a really good one um, with Jonathan Ross it's not very long it's only half an hour it's Jonathan Ross his podcast it's from like 2019 I think just before Jordan Peele's second film Us came out and yeah it was really good just listening to him talk about film and just how much you know like he said like you know he he, he started his career in comedy really um, but he always wanted yeah. to be a, a director and just the passion. And when he's talking about like making Get Out, I was like, yeah, I, I like you. I like you a lot.
1: <laughs> well, and he, he's made some comments as well about how similar comedy and horror are in some ways. Yep. Uh, Cause they're you're, you're trying to elicit reactions from the audience, specific reactions. And, and I found that really fascinating, but I feel as though we can possibly dig into him in a bit. Yeah. I'm really keen to hear your score.
0: yeah i'm thinking this time you can go first i always give mine first that's true you do usually give yours first get out for me is five it's a five star
1: movie it's up there with halloween with classic iconic horror movies i think and kudos to him that it's his directorial debut debut rather and straight out the gate he absolutely smashed it yeah so for me everything's on point the acting the plot, the pacing, the sound, for me, it's a five.
0: I think I have to agree, and I find that really, I find giving fives really difficult because it's I same. have, the, I have the films in my head that I'm like, are absolute fives, like uh-huh, uh-huh. absolutely, and then I'm like, oh, do I, do I think this film is? as good as those and I do I, I do that's why I'm giving it a five but I think because the other films are films most of them are quite old I've liked them for a long time so as this is a newer one I'm like oh can I give it that do I love it as much as those? Like, well maybe I don't love it as much as those yet because I've only seen this one a couple of times where I've seen those other films like dozens of times so yeah I agree I think it's a perfect film it's
1: I think that comparing with the scores can be a dangerous game, yeah, but you've got to have some reference point. And I even think stars, pentagrams, kisses, pumpkins, however we want to rate the damn thing. it can it can be problematic in some ways because you're then having to quantify your score. Yeah and I mean, and that's fine and we can do that and we do do that and that's part of why we do the breakdown and we talk about, in depth why a particular score has been given. But I mean, yeah, for this, this for me was an easy one to give a five to because I do think it will stand the test of time. I do think yeah. that this film, you will in 10, 15 years look back. I mean, it's already, it came out in 2017. So already, you know, I thought it was interesting as well because Jordan Peele said in an interview that I read, I think it was in the New York times, he wanted to make a film that you had to watch more than once. This was the second viewing for me. Same. Same, okay. So the first time, and yeah, in the breakdown, I think we'll talk about it a bit, kind of the way you take it the first time versus the second time. But um, even watching a second, a second time, I mean, everything was there. So, but yeah, shall we get into it? Yes,
0: absolutely. Now it's time for a breakdown. So, get out where do we start i mean i suppose we should
1: start with the opening scene which i which i think is which i think is really brilliant because you've got this guy this black man on the phone lost in this kind of rich neighborhood he's on his he's on his phone and he's looking at google maps and trying to find his way and he's kind of giving a running commentary about this rich white neighborhood and it ain't gonna be me it's not, i'm not gonna be the one and this white car and it doesn't escape me that the car is white either pulls up and they're playing some weird old school music and it's the- run
0: rabbit run it's uh it's a british song from maybe like the 30s 40s oh okay run rabbit run rabbit run 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 here comes the farmer with his gun 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 he'll get okay. without his rabbit pie so run rabbit run rabbit run 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 it's one of those songs that you know growing up we heard in wartime films that kind of thing so it's from that that era ah, okay um, which is why it's like incredibly creepy it it what and I'm
1: I tried to Google what the song was and it was giving me all kinds of other stuff about Childish Gambino and Redbone and that's another <laughs> song that comes later. But I was like, what is the song in the car? And I couldn't find it. So there yeah. you go. Thank you for that. I'm so glad you sang it. Yeah. I believe there should be a singing segment in every episode. Thank you, I, Jenny.
0: yeah, yeah. I, I agree.
1: But yes, yeah, so that we'll start there. That's your opening scene. Yeah. And then you and then you go into the credits.
0: Oh um my god, that scene! You know when he's walking through, and it's like I find. I... <laughs> I'm obviously, obviously neither of us are black, we're both white, and I've felt fear walking around certain neighbourhoods, but it's usually, you know, rougher neighbourhoods at nighttime, or just mainly because I'm a woman on my own walking at night or whatever. But mm. the fact that you have this setting, this affluence, let's put white suburbia, yeah. And it's supposed and and traditionally you have like this is a symbol of safety and security. That's why people move to the suburbs because they're safe. And you have this guy, and because he's an unaccompanied black male in this neighborhood, the way that you instantly, even before the car turns up, his sense of unease and tension mm-hmm. just from walking, because he is not safe in that neighborhood. He knows elevator. that. Even before oh, he's looking over turns his up. shoulder. Yeah. He's looking around. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you know, and as soon as that car runs alongside him and starts slowing down, he's like, no, uh, uh, not me, not today. And turns around and walks the other way. And he's like, nope, nope, not going to be me. That just, and then the music starts and you're like, oh, well, he's fucked. But <laughs> yeah. well, he put, he, he, Whoever the person
1: is, and I think, I think it's the brother, but, it, but yeah, you, can't, the brother. Yeah. you can't see no, any, at that point in the film. yeah. At that point in it. the film, you don't know anyway. No. So, uh, but yeah, puts him in the trunk and drives off. There yep. you go. You've got the credits which run. And so you've got, just to throw some names out there, obviously, bloom house monkey paw i believe monkey paw is um jordan peele's production company then you've got daniel kalua who plays chris who is a brit actor doing a smashing american accent if i can say that yep alison williams of girls previous girls fame playing rose Catherine keener is the mom. i mean the cast is is excellent excellent. and so
0: well cast daniel kalua i mean he is incredible yeah I was listening to that interview with Jordan Peele and he was talking about how, obviously, he saw him in Black Mirror. And he, so, you yeah, know, how wait, amazing. Wait, wait,
1: what is, For people who might not know, what is Black Mirror?
0: Black Mirror is a TV show um, by Charlie Brooker, who is just a genius. And Black Mirror, each, it's like a, I guess it's, would you call it like an anthology show? Because each episode is like a different thing. I have but, never,
1: I've never watched it.
0: Oh, you'd love it. I haven't isn't it watched. Kind of, ju- isn't it kind of sci-fi, futuristic? Um, some episodes are. It's it's all just basically about like twisted reality, so oh. things not being what they seem, being sinister, and yeah. It because because each episode's different. It's hard. It's hard to explain. And I haven't seen all of them. I haven't seen the episode that Daniel's in, but I know he's He was in Black Mirror, and Jordan Peele loved him, and he was like, okay, I really want this guy, but he had this issues like you know i really need chris to be able to put across you know to, to show he's like lived in experience of being a a black man in america um and he's like i don't know if that's the, if the if it's the same for for if the experience is the same for black men in britain and after daniel read the script he was like well yeah it is you know it's, it's the same experience it might be obviously there'll be different nuances and things obviously in in Britain there is a a less chance of of black especially black young black men being shot because we don't there isn't as much gun culture over here but there is still some so yeah I think it was kind of interesting that he Jordan really wanted this this guy because he's such a good actor like you said like I forgot he was British which is rare because normally when you have someone doing the accent it's like yeah this doesn't feel natural in your mouth I can I can tell to
1: my American ear yeah he he killed that yeah I mean same I agree I did forget and he and I think his his face his expressions he really gives this vulnerability and in, in some scenes and it just, without saying anything, his face says so much. I mean, I just was really blown away by him. I think watching it a second time again as well, I could really uh, pay attention to that. And yeah, he really impressed me. Really, really impressed me. So yeah,
0: I loved because isn't the opening credits you get all the trees? Yes. Yeah, and it's like moving through the trees and just the the, the soundtrack.
1: And that song, because I, I googled this, the song they're singing in Swahili. Yes, and I and it, it they play it in the opening credits and at the end credits. And essentially, in Swahili, they're saying in the song something like something bad is coming, run. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love Run, brother, run, and that and that's the words. And I thought that was really, <laughs> I thought that was really clever. From there, you go immediately into a scene between Rose and Chris which really establishes their relationship very affectionate I think there's a lot of love here but he essentially you get a bit of exposition they're going away to her parents house for the first time he's meeting her parents and he asks the question do your parents know I'm black and you know she is I think a little dismissive but also she says, yeah. And they bring out this whole line about Obama, which gets repeated a couple of times where she says, if my dad could have voted for Obama for a third term, he would have. The, and I the, think that, the love
0: is that real. That's what she says. The love yeah. is real. But um, it's
1: like that that is a fascinating thing because when in America during Obama's terms, I think there started to become this really false idea that was sort of paraded that, oh, racism is over or it's not over, but it's, it's better to look, we have a black president. And obviously the, the reaction to that for the next president, which was Trump, you know, clearly racism isn't dead in America and there's no post-racism era that's been ushered in simply because we had a black president, but it's a very middle-class white liberal catch-all phrase that when you're trying to indicate that you are yourself not racist because I love Obama I would vote for Obama again and and it's insidious and and I think he was so Jordan Peele was so clever in the way that he wove those things into the film and the first time I didn't notice it as much but the second time definitely so I thought it was quite a powerful scene and I think it's the first of many times where you kind of see Rose she's a
0: Excellent gaslighter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And but she, because she has this thing, doesn't she, where she's like, like the woke white woman savior? Absolutely. I
1: mean, white, white savior trope throughout with her, because even then, so you've got this scene, and then the next scene is that they're in the car on their way to the parents' house. They hit a deer in the car. Oh, that scene. The police come, and I thought that was interesting because you see this interaction of the police with both of them and how, and how police act differently with a, a white woman versus a black yeah. male. And she stands up to the cop on behalf of Chris because the cop's kind of giving him a little bit of harassment. Let me see your ID. Let me see your ID.
0: And I but I thought this was really clever for like two reasons. Obviously the obvious one where she's like, well, how dare you, you know, you're know, you racially profiling my boyfriend. He hasn't done anything wrong. He doesn't need to show you his ID. A white people don't realize how dangerous that is for black people people to do like she could have easily escalated that where it didn't need to be the other thing that i thought that was clever was she didn't want him to see chris's id because that's a paper trail between chris and rose so when i didn't even think of that yeah that's so true i didn't even think of that you're right you're right
1: about that one and the whole
0: thing with the deer as well on the second viewing i love the symbol of the deer like throughout this film you know deer are quite often symbols of like innocence and purity and and things. but then on the second viewing, you have you 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 know that you know Chris's mom was killed in a hit and run and when he was a young boy and he has a lot of guilt and and things of like almost like he abandoned or you know he has a lot of trauma about that. and so it's like when they hit this deer and he goes up and sees the deer. And he's like, you have that amazing shot of him just like standing, looking at this like dying deer. And mm. it just brings up all the trauma that we don't know about yet. We can see that it's like really affected him badly, but yeah, we just don't know why. But on second viewing, it's like, it's because it's now brought up all these feelings about his about his mum and how she died and, and all that trauma so i thought that was that was really clever and then how they continues to use the deer throughout the film yes
1: yes and there, and, and and there's i have some notes about that yeah
0: so it? do i and, and i have yeah. some i have some about several points in the film and i don't almost don't want to talk about it now because then we're falling out no. of like sync yeah <laughs> chronology is important um yeah. otherwise we get very confused we're easily confused <laughs>
1: So uh, but that's really interesting what you say about the deer because I didn't even think about that because that probably started his it's probably something he pushes out of his mind and doesn't think about every day and then here this thing happens this actual hit and run yeah reminiscent to uh, all those feelings being brought up I mean yeah that's a really really good good point so yeah the police leave they carry on their their trip and they arrive at the house and they see immediately you see a groundskeeper a black man working in the field, which is, it all makes you feel very uneasy. And yep. I think this is where I just think Jordan Peele nails pacing. Absolutely, Absolutely nails it. it. Uh, it's interesting because I was speaking to a mutual friend of ours named Shane the other day who was kind of talking about the movie and he's like I don't uh, the pacing's all off for me because you've got kind of nothing and then the end this big thing and I'm like well I completely disagree with that <laughs> completely to me the pacing is one of the most important parts of any horror movie and I think here he completely gets it because it starts off with your parents and I'm black then there's the deer and it's really small and slow but those feelings of unease and just kind of wariness he's wary he's walking into the lion's den in a sense and he knows that even before anything bad or weird starts to happen but but yeah so he meets the parents and there were quite a few shots here I put in my notes that I really loved where he's kind of Jordan's shooting like the scene where he sits down in the sitting room with the parents and he's shooting it through a doorway or he lingers on a shot of the house from the outside, this big sort of, I don't know how you would describe it. They're out in the countryside. It, it's it's intentionally said in upstate New York. And I thought this was also quite a fascinating sort of little fact that Jordan Peele intentionally did not want it to be in a Southern state. He said, that was too easy. I didn't want any red states. Yeah. So he put it in a, in, a, in a state that's usually blue and quite liberal, which is, that is to say New York. But yeah, you've got this big—I don't know—townhouse almost. They're out in—they're out in the country of Upstate. It's, New a, it's a nice beautiful. big house in the country. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, yeah. So the da- and as he's there, at some point, the dad gives him a tour, and he mentions about Jesse Owens, the one of the black Olympic gold medalists from, gosh, back in the '60s maybe '30s. Was? was it that long ago? Okay. Oh, although it was. My bad. So, yeah, he gives him a tour and he mentions about his grandfather. Or no, his it's father. His dad.
0: It's his, yeah, his dad. Yeah.
1: yeah. Who got beat by Jesse Owens, right? Yep. Yeah. And you kind of are introduced to Georgina
0: the maid. Oh, the performance she gives throughout this film is one of the creepiest things I've ever seen.
1: Uh, yes, it's all creepy because, and this is the thing about the first versus the second viewing. Anytime there's a scene with obviously spoilers abound, we've already said that, but you know, you you come to find out that the the black people in the house are the grandparents. Their brains have been transplanted or whatever. So, but you've got these, you can see this internal struggle, this conflict, that there's still a part of that person still in there of the original Georgina or the original Walter still deep there. And well, so
0: this- yeah. One, one of the things I found really interesting about the grandparents is that, you know, so the, the grandfather essentially is the one who, who starts this whole thing. He, he figures it all out. And I think the whole thing about when Rose's dad shows Chris the picture of his, of his dad at the Olympics, it's like, you know, he was beat by Jesse Owens and, I think that is the point where Rose's grandfather realises, gets this obsession about how black people are physically better. This obsession he gets with them. So he has this drive and this ambition and things and they, you know, the procedures work and it is, like you said, it is the the, the black people are the grandparents, mm-hmm. but it's almost like the procedure makes them different somehow because they've lost you know they're, they're suddenly young again they're in these young better bodies and yet they feel like you know they're obviously quite well off you know affluent people and yet they seem to go into these jobs that they associate like they don't try and not be the housekeeper and the groundskeeper and it's uh, it's all and it's you know the um in the part the garden party scene and you have the 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 black guy that Chris is talking to is it Logan mm. who spoiler alert is also an old white man inside and um he's talking to people and he's saying he's like oh well since the procedure i don't really get out much household chores have become kind of my thing And it's almost like they're like, oh, yes, you know, these black bodies are better. And now I'm in this young, amazing body. Um, But they all, you know, it's so the racism is so inbuilt in them that these black people can only do like. Lower, you know, they can only do like groundskeeper, housekeeper, household work. Like domestic duty. Yeah.
1: But it's interesting because that makes me wonder if I had the option as an old person to have a new body, regardless of what color yeah. it is, I'm not going to spend my time doing dishes and pouring drinks. This is what I mean. I want to go out. I want to do things. Like yeah. why, why are they? And also it speaks to the mom and dad, Rose's mom and dad. Why are they letting
0: the grandparents, Like
1: why, why are they relegating this, this I mean. the mean,
0: It's grand- like they're, they're going on and on about how, you know, the black people are superior, and ugh, the, the whole thing, that whole speech that the dad gives, just makes my skin crawl. It's like, yeah, so the, the, like, yes, we want to do this and things. It's great, but then once they're in the bodies, that either the people themselves and everybody else, it's like, yes, but you're black now, so you're gonna stick doing, you know, the housework, the groundswork. We're gonna need you to chop wood. Yeah, and, cool. and it's all, but it's almost like the people that are in the bodies themselves are feeling this right because they're not like oh like the dad's not like oh now i'm in this body like he runs at that scene where he like runs past chris at night Mm -hmm. and he's like oh sorry to scare you kind of thing so he still wants to be a runner and he's still you know testing out you know he's he's using his his new body to be able to do what he loves yeah but he's day to day he's still being a housekeeper like groundskeeper like yeah and that was that was the one question that i felt
1: they didn't really answer? No, I did but answer I, I just probably, thought it was right?
0: it was really interesting and it was thought provoking. And I, I did, I, I remember when I first watched it, kind of being like, oh, that's a bit weird. But I wasn't sure if maybe they were just putting on a, you know, putting on a display for for Chris, for the Rose bringing her boyfriend along. But then I'm like, well, right. then why would they do that? Because they're trying to say that they're not racist and that they have, there's that whole speech dad gives about, oh yeah, you know, I know how it looks. I know it looks really bad that we have like a black maid and a black, you know, groundskeeper, but it's not what it looks like. And it's like, no, it's not what it looks like. And he says, we couldn't bear to let them go after after the grandparents passed. Oh, some of, (laughs) yeah, some of those little like lines that Jordan's like dropped throughout. And on Mm. second or third viewing, you're just like, oh, yeah.
1: Oh, it, it this is what I say about it. And he was right to say he made a film that requires more than one viewing. It absolutely does. Because the first viewing kind of blows your mind. They kept calling it a twist. And I don't even know necessarily that it was a twist. I mean, in all of the articles and reviews at the time, they, they reference a twist. And I don't know that that's the correct word, but on the second viewing, yeah, you know you're looking for certain things. It is absolutely a movie that could be viewed several times and you'd continue to yeah. find new things but but this but actually the part that you just mentioned about the groundskeeper running at him so this is like after he's had the tour we've had dinner and whatever else he he can't sleep yeah they go to bed and he can't sleep and so he he decides to go out I thought he was maybe going out to smoke but I don't think he ever did smoke
0: he didn't smoke because remember he's trying to quit but he goes out and I think he gets the cigarettes out and that's when the the, you know he gets shocked by the the groundskeeper like tearing past Ground, it running he goes back or, in
1: yeah comes back in and then you have this scene with the bitch of a mother oh my god Catherine keener you know doing an excellent job but also what a bitch yep. so she basically uses her tea spoon sound it's the focal point for the hypnosis. Yeah, yeah, and and uses that to get Chris to open up and talk about his feelings about his mom. And I love how Jordan Peele did this. She's asking him, like, what, you know, what do you remember or whatever? And he says, it's raining. And all of a sudden in the background, you've got the rain So the find it.
0: Tell me when you found it. Yes, it is
1: raining. And I just thought that segue into that next scene, it was just so cleverly done. So, you know, she essentially... I think she says, sink
0: into the floor. And he's like, well, it's that, is that line before that when he's like, I can't move. Yes. She's like, no, you can't. And then she's like, sink into the floor. And he goes, no. And she goes, sink. And yeah. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. you've got this, this sunken place where
1: he's in this void, sort of falling. And he's looking as though through a, a TV screen, Really, at what's going on? So he can see the mother. He can see Catherine Keener still sitting there with her fucking teacup, and he's just helpless. And in this, you know, yep. as viewing it from very far away, and that I think taps into some sort of primitive human. It's this lack of control. Yep, you lose all all autonomy of yourself, and that is terrifying. Yeah. Like, have you ever had dreams where you
0: freeze up? Yeah, I, I, I'm a lucid dreamer. And Like, especially when I was younger, I used to get really bad sleep paralysis. Um, I mean, that
1: is, it's terrifying. So, yeah, and I think that he taps into that sort of human fear of not having any control over your body, not being able to run, escape, helplessness, all of that. And I think he did it so well because he didn't, he didn't leave us there too long. Because I do think sometimes in movies that can happen. Yeah where they take you to this alternate reality or this uh, they try to like a dreamlike state or whatever and i think sometimes if you leave the audience there too long they can disengage or yeah. at least that's yeah. my experience well it, it loses it loses its effectiveness it does it loses its potency that's it yeah. so so yeah he is in this sunken place and then boom, he wakes up in bed thinking it was some sort of horrible dream yeah which I also like that he toyed with that a little bit, not very long as in the director, like Jordan Peele toyed with it a little bit. Was it real? Did it really happen? And then it gets referenced later. Who is it? Chris goes out to take some photos and he ends up speaking to the groundskeeper, Walter. Again, any interactions with Georgina or Walter are extremely creepy. And on first viewing, you can't really figure it out. You're just like, why is this person so strange? What is happening? What is going on? But he says something to the effect of, oh, you were in Mrs. Armitage's office for quite some time last night. Yeah. And all of a sudden Chris is like, fuck, that actually happened. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that this scene for me, and you're really only about, I'm guessing 30, 40 minutes into the film, maybe even less, This scene with the groundskeeper, confirming that like once the hypnotism happens, that's when you're just on this trajectory of, I mean, there is a pervasive feeling that does not let up, that something is not right. This feeling of dread. What have I allowed myself to experience? What has happened? I'm not sure. And that feeling is so scary, I, I think and that's you know you just the vibe is off something's off and i think as well that jordan peel really and i he said this in an interview that he kind of wanted to channel that feeling as a black person and again i am a white person so i i disclaimer don't obviously don't personally have this experience but this idea that am i being paranoid because i'm the only black person here and i'm with a bunch of white people are they being mildly racist or am i just being paranoid and i think that i've had friends you know sort of talk about that and he said this in the interview and it's something daniel kalua himself said in an interview that am i being paranoid and it's that paranoid something's off clearly something's off but is it just me i'm
0: not i'm not sure and then you've got the people start arriving for the party. And it's, it's just little things as well that they have. Like, like you said about um, Georgina and Walter, isn't it? The groundskeeper, the granddad. Um, and like the conversation he has. And, he, and then he's saying to um, Rose, he's like, I think, I think your mum hypnotised me last night. And she's like, oh yeah, probably happened kind of thing. And then he's like, I think someone's unplugging my phone. Yes. And then Georgina comes in and she's like, I'm so sorry that I touched you. Oh God,
1: that yes.
0: And it's that scene where he's like, and he even says to her, he's like, you know, I just, at some point he's like, you know, about the fear of all like that feeling, that feeling of dread and unease about being the only black person surrounded by white people. He's like, when there's too many white people around, I, I get nervous. He's like trying to, yeah connect with her as, as a, as a black person in this environment. And she's like, has this thing where you can see that the, you know, the woman, the, 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 original, the person inside is trying to get out and she, and her eyes aren't blinking and her like tears are streaming down her face as this internal struggles happening. And then she's like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not my experience at all. And he's like, what? Well, and he even says, I, I love the phone calls he makes to Rod to, to oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are that's so funny. It's like right back at the like at the beginning when he's on the phone, he's like, take my advice, don't go to the white girlfriend's parents. What's she doing? Licking your balls. And I'm yeah, just yeah, like,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> like he knows. Um, but yeah, like that but when-
1: that scene with Georgina is sort of comes after it's yeah it's during the party isn't it when he gets weird it, it's he like goes, he, he leaves the part so basically at the party first of all there's no real explanation about what the party is it's it's just a gathering
0: yeah and, and they're like oh it- we have it the same date every year rose don't
1: <laughs> you remember so strange in and of itself so you've got that happening and then you've got all these guests all of which aside from one which is Logan are white yeah. and they're touching him they're asking about his athleticism they're commenting on his blackness how it's cool to be
0: black yeah. I was cringing the whole time it was black so in fashion it's all that kind of um they're trying to connect with him as you do when you first meet people but all they can see is his blackness so, right.
1: There's no individuality or no. So the
0: first thing individual. they're commenting on, everything they tried to say to him is about being black. So even when the guy's like, oh, do you play golf? He's like, I played once, it wasn't very good. It's like, oh, you know, he and she's like, oh, well, he loves um, what's his name? Oh, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. He loves
1: Tiger. He <laughs> loves
0: Tiger. And he's like, yeah, let's see your form. And he's like, oh, and then the woman comes up cringe, and starts, cringe, like cringe. squeezing his arm like he's a like, he, like he's a lamb for slaughter. Like, like, fastening him up. And I was just like, Ugh. Well, they're about to do a, essentially what Let's amounts to a bingo. slave
1: auction. Yeah, a slave auction. So of course they're feeling him. What yeah. am I, what am I paying for here? I mean, the whole thing is, yeah, it's it's just so creepy. But yeah. so then at the party that he meets Logan, another, he calls him a brother, but another, yeah. another, another black man who also seems very zombie-like. And I think it's worth noting at this party, he meets a blind guy who is called Jim Hudson, who owns the galleries where Chris has presented his photography. And so there is a conversation there that I thought was quite interesting because here's the guy that's literally blind. It doesn't even know what the, what Chris looks like or, or what color his skin is, but yeah, he does know because of the nature of the knows, party.
0: I, I have some notes about this for, for later on in, in, in a later scene um that I'm going to come back to but I actually found that whole bit really interesting because yeah at this point and he's like he's like saying to him like oh I wanted to be you know a photographer I just didn't have the um kind of the eye for it and he's like so I became an art dealer and then I lost my eyesight kind of thing um so yeah he doesn't try to connect with Chris as a black person like everybody else at the party does he tries yes. to do it as like an artist, a fellow an artist art. yeah so, you know, yes. I really love I love your vision. And yeah, then then he's like goes back and he's talking to to Logan and there's that bit where someone's like, oh what? Copson's like, oh oh Chris, what what what's your black ex- how have you found the black experience? And Chris is just like, what the fuck? And he says, Logan, maybe you I can feel this that. one. yeah. And he's like, okay, well, I found it to be rather pleasant and just just the look and i love that when he's like trying to film logan to send to rod and he because he recognizes him he's like i know him from somewhere where is he from i know him but he also there's a part where and i think
1: this we're kind of jumping around a little bit but there's at one point where he decides to go upstairs and this is where he finds his phone unplugged and kind of has that confrontation with georgina but when he goes upstairs, the whole party goes silent. Yes. And I love that. Yeah. That, I thought
0: that was so. That's good. so scary. I think is where that was the first thing that Jordan Peele had. He had, I think he said he had a dream. He had a dream where he was somewhere like, you know, it wasn't a party, but he was somewhere in this building or whatever. And as soon as he stepped out of the room, everybody stopped. And that sense of like unease and dread was what he then turned into, you know, that's where he got the first idea. Like what, what, why would that happen? Why would me stepping out of a room just cause everything to stop?
1: That's even worth thing because it's just so scary. I mean, and this is where I feel like he really starts ratcheting up the tension, okay? But everyone's trying to suppress it. And again, it's that gaslighting thing, that paranoia. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, he goes upstairs. He he finds his phone unplugged. He's got this kind of, um, I say, confrontation with Georgina that you mentioned. That's brilliant. And then he calls Rod. and Because hasn't he Rod, sent Rod at this point? The, is he, say again? Has he sent Rod the picture of Logan yet? No, because the, yeah. he takes the picture after he speaks to Rod the first time. But, but he called Rod and I think what's interesting is Rod is dropping all kinds of truth bombs here and he yep. essentially says that the mom probably hypnotized them all, all the black
0: people. And yep. they're like, he's essentially just said it. Yep. but you And know, he but does this per- throughout the film, which like, I know uh, later on. And he's like, oh, he's probably they, the mom's probably hypnotized all the black people to be like sex slaves or sh- some shit. And it's like, <laughs> You're not far off.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're really not far off at all. Because yeah. Chris says something like, "All the black people miss the movement." He yes. seems to the movement. He makes yes. he says a line yes. to that effect, and I and I love that as well. So then he goes back downstairs, and now he's got his phone with him, and he's spoken to Rod, and so he see. And this is the whole thing about the black experience, and he tries to surreptitiously take a picture of Logan to send to Rod, and the flash goes off. Yeah, and the flash does something to Logan it offsets the hypnotism or I, I don't know how you would describe it
0: but basically yeah, it's like, it like he wakes future. him up it wait for for a few moments it wakes up yes I've forgotten the guy's name who, who, uh Drake no not Drake Andre Andre yeah it wakes yeah. Andre up from wherever he is where from the sunken place he's able for these brief moments to be able he's able to escape from the sunken place and, and you have screams. that first, at him. yeah, that first proof that, I mean, we've got so far, all we've got is, like you said, paranoia and thoughts like, oh, am I being paranoid? Is this really happening? You know, I don't really know what's going on kind of thing. And then this is the first definite proof that we have that something is not right because he goes for Chris and just starts screaming, get out, get out.
1: And I love this as well because it plays on the idea. I mean, how many times am my sh- shouting at the screen, yelling for the woman to, you know, don't go up the stairs or get out. And so, yeah. and that is the thing that people shout. And I love that, that sort of meta take on it. And so, yeah, he gets aggressive. He screams at Chris to get out and they later kind of explain it away as a seizure.
0: Yeah. So, like, obviously, like, the, the dad and the mom and and his, you know, 30-year senior woman that he's with take him off. And obviously, the mom re-hypnotizes him.
1: So, that and then, yes. And then you've got this scene where Rose is like, let's go for a walk. Yeah. And the dad's like, we're going to go for a walk now, but we're just, we're going to play bingo. And so... You've got this really clever scene where you're intercutting the silent bingo, aka the fucking slave auction, which is what it is, Yeah. With Rose and Chris having this sweet sort of conversation. Because I don't know about you, but the first time I saw this, I did not think Rose was in on it. I really Same. didn't. Same. She had me convinced. She is and the most
0: horrific thing in this film. Definitely
1: hundred percent. And Absolutely. that says something too. I mean, that is in some ways, I think a hint at the idea of white feminism or white, just the lack of intersectionality when it comes to um, that movement, the white feminist movement, you know? Yeah. And obviously the racism inherent in that. Um, but so, yeah, you've got this, Chris's photo is at yeah. the, the, the gazebo and so you've got this photo of him and then people playing bingo and then so,
0: you see yeah so basically rather than like auction paddles they have bingo cards yes. but what I thought was really interesting is all the bingo cards were marked like they were like they were winning cards you know they had like the full line so mm-hmm. it's that whole thing that it's like even if they don't win the auction they're still winners, like, as in, like, you know, they're still, the rich white people, so they're, they're, like, there with these things, it's, like, it just signifies that, yeah, okay, even if they don't win the auction, because... Oh, I love cause, that. I didn't even yeah. notice that. Yeah, because at first I'm like, these bingo cards, why, they've all won. And then, oh, then I was like, oh, wait. And then I, <laughs> on the second viewing, I'm like, oh, yeah, I realised that they had the cardboard cutout, and I'm like, oh, it's an auction, because at first I, I didn't really notice. So, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, well... Yeah, they're all winners anyway, aren't they? Because they're rich white people. (laughs) So true.
1: But yeah, and I love how he spliced that because it's silent. Yeah. With this quite tender scene between Rose and Chris where they, I believe maybe for the first time say that they love each other. And he's like, I want to leave. And she's like, okay, yeah, let's go. I'll yep. make an excuse. I've got your back, like no problem. Yeah. And yep. that's what I mean. She that bitch, she had me fooled. Never trust a white bitch, I swear to God. But she, she then, you know, I love you, we're gonna leave. Let's go back. I'll make some sort of excuse. But this is where, and just to kind of go back to pacing, which apparently is a thing for me. But if you compare this tender scene and the silent auction, for example, how they've intercut that, and I thought it was really, really brilliant. And this is why I had so many issues. With, for example, Halloween Kills and the pacing of Halloween Kills because he, they d- there wasn't that. You had these tender moments, but they were intercut with just pure insanity. And so, to me, that 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 pacing was totally fucked up and not on. Whereas this, he, he's actually reached the point where he's like, "Yeah, let's go. I'm not gonna be polite anymore, really." Yeah, I he's mean, like, I
0: just need to go.
1: Well, actually, he is, he is polite almost to a fault up until almost the very end yeah when they when they actually it gets physical but i mean he he's had enough it's too much weirdness it's time to go so at this point you the the action sort of shifts over to rod who
0: recognizes the photo of logan
1: yeah. and he starts doing a little bit of
0: research well yeah because um, when chris is back in his room and kind of, i think he's like packing and roses somewhere else and he's like and and rod rings and he's like yeah that's Andre, Andre, you know, saying with? Mm-hmm. from, you know, yeah. Tiffany's ex or brother or whatever. And he's like, yes, that's where I know him from. And he's like, well, and, and then he's like, oh, he's missing. He's like, well, no, he's not. He's here and he's got like some, re- he's with some really old white woman. And he's like, he, he just knows. He's like, that's just not right. He's not the same guy. It's not the same person. It might look like him, but it's not the same. And then he discovers...
1: In the closet or something. Chris is in the room packing. In Rose's Rose
0: is, room packing.
1: Rose is somewhere else, and he, he's looking for his camera. He discovers like a box of photos, and all the photos are Rose. It's Rose with Walter, the groundskeeper. Rose with Georgina, the maid. Yep. um Rose. I think there's even one of Rose with Logan. And so you see, it's not like she was making out with them in these photos or anything. That's definitive. It was just her with them. And so, yep. so you can almost see. Chris's wheels turning in the sense that he's not sure. He's not definite. This is weird. It's all super weird, but he's not sure that Rose, if he he wants to trust her, this is the power of denial. I think in some ways he doesn't yeah. want to believe that she's in on it. She's just told him that she loves him. She's got his back. They're leaving.
0: And I think he has this whole thing as well about, you know, the guilt he feels about his mother's death and the fact that basically he was a young boy he was home alone his mom was coming home from work she didn't come back for whatever reason and when he is back in the hypnosis scene with the mom when he's talking about it and like he has this tremendous guilt that he didn't contact anyone till the next day and he didn't do it because he didn't want it to be real he knew something bad had happened and he didn't want it to be real so he didn't address it and I think it's that kind of pattern of trauma it's like he knows something isn't right he knows something bad has happened but he needs to get out of there and he does and he doesn't want to believe it of yeah Rose. he doesn't want to believe I, it he doesn't want to address it, it he just wants to get out of the situation he wants to get out and he and he in some ways probably feels as though he needs her help to oh, do oh yeah this absolutely and- like at this point there's been nothing about her to make you know she hasn't done anything to make him suspicious. These photos are weird, but like you said, it's like it's, it's not her making out with any of them. It's just her with them. And yeah, yeah they yeah. don't look how they look now, but it's still them. So it's a bit like, oh, like you can like his intuition is right, there is something fucked up, but he just doesn't want to think about and it. he is suppressing
1: that intuition. Yeah, and I think that's something else that happens when you are gaslit and I think that uh, you, I'm being careful how I phrase this, but I think particularly in America, there is a lot of gaslighting going on regarding the Black experience. Yes, you are probably experiencing insidious racism every day, all the time, in little ways, microaggressions here, there, and everywhere, but you are being gaslit by a largely white population that is in charge of a lot of the institutions like police or governments that are largely white and have been gaslighting you to some extent. Oh no, Obama was president everything's fine now. Yeah. And that's not the case. And this is what I think is so brilliant about the movie, how well he does this. And again, comparing to other things, you know, we kind of talked about and again in Halloween kills or whatever that they they lightly touch on some of these like distrust of the police or like me- protester mob mentality, but they don't dig into it. And here you have a movie where he is not afraid to dig into it and not afraid to say to make certain statements in a really bold, provocative way with his directorial choices. I'm just in awe of him, truly. So yes, I'll stop um, (laughs) fangirling, but yeah. So, but then you've got this scene where they go to leave and it might be one of my favorite scenes in the whole thing. And he's saying, Rose, keys. And she's fumbling in her bag, like they're just just here. I just, I just have to find them. Just give me a second. And And, the family is like slowly surrounding Chris at the door. I mean, it's so intense.
0: Yeah. Because we still haven't seen anything bad happen. But yeah, you know, Chris comes down the stairs and he's like, we're leaving, and the mum's there at one side, and then the dad's in in the living room by the fireplace, like look watching him, and the creepy douchebag of a brother is there. And Rose is on the stairs, like fumbling around for her keys. And you know, he's like, and then the dad's like, What's your purpose? Like
1: oh god it's and so but it's just that oh the the auction has ended everything's fine well the party rather has ended everyone's left okay do you know we're gonna leave chris's dog she gives some sort of excuse yeah like, like the
0: dog's yeah. sick we've, we've got to get home to get to the vets in the morning
1: and the brother is like prowling and i think he had maybe has some sort of weapon or a stick he
0: has a lacrosse stick
1: that's it which again lacrosse.
0: i thought was quite funny because obviously lacrosse is really something only middle-class middle people class. play white people yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Oh white people shit. <laughs> the white
1: people the intensity of this scene just yeah. kills me And so then the mom brings out her fucking teacup, goddamn teacup, and knocks him out using yeah. the how did you call it the the, the, the focal point or the, the focal
0: point for the hypnosis
1: that's it so yeah
0: that kind of stirring and tapping the tea you know it, it's something it's a trigger now because she's hypnotized him. Whenever he hears that, he's he, he's helpless. Well, wow. so he's knocked out and he wakes up in a chair,
1: tied up, watching some fucked up video about the Coagula. The coagula,
0: yeah, it, which is the society it, that the, the the family have founded.
1: Yeah, and it, and he's kind of explained The grandfather's kind of explaining the process, or, or what's going to happen, essentially, and. This is kind of this scene is sort of interspersed with Rod. Rod has pieced things together.
0: He's extremely worried about Chris. Chris isn't answering the phone. He was he, meant to not, have left. Yeah, he's supposed to be home and he's not. And he's Chris. Not. Is, and he's like, he'd never leave his dog.
1: And so he goes to the police station. And here we have a bit of comedy, a bit
0: of comic relief. <laughs> but the thing is, he's right. And he's talking to you know he's talking to a black a black woman he's talking to the the, the detective he goes to the police mm. i love that Bray's he's like you know i've been getting my detective stuff on like it's like you know i'm i'm like you i'm tsa maybe we know more than you because we deal with terrorist shit um, <laughs> but he he is right he's like you know we've got at least two guys black guys here that have gone missing in this around this family the mum's hypnotizing them into like slaves, like, or oh, maybe not even like normal slaves, maybe sex slaves. And yeah, and it's just that bit where she brings the other two, two detectives in. And- I also thought
1: it was so funny how Rod says, my boy's been missing for two days. And she's like, oh, your son? How old is your
0: son? Yeah, and he's like, no. My boy, my boy Chris, my friend. Yeah. He's 26. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and it's just that bit when, at the engine, you know, when he realizes that they just think he's a joke, because they're laughing. And he's like, and then the police woman, she's like, police officer, she's like, um, I'll oh, stay away from those white women. They'll get you. like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They will yeah. actually. They but will. What's
1: funny is even all of that sort of leads you into this false sense of security. Like, Oh, maybe, you know,
0: but, but you know at this point that Rose is an evil cunt. So mm-hmm. then you've got, because we didn't even mention the line that she gives when she's on the stairs oh. looking for her keys and, you know, he starts shouting, he's like, Rose, keys, keys, he finally loses it. He finally realises, you know, he's not paranoid. The danger he's been sensing, he is in danger. Um, and he and he's, like, standing there, like, shaking and sweating and almost crying, like, Rose, keys, keys, where are the damn keys? And she just pulls them of a bag. Like, she's been shaking and scared, and then suddenly she's calm and she went, you know, I can't give you these keys right, babe. Like, and it's just that oh. kind of, oh... Uh, it's like a, it's like a punch to the gut that just bitch uh, i just feel like my heart broke for time him time. at that point I was like, oh, oh yeah
1: yeah and then there's the part where rod kind of after the police station he's like well whatever i'll sort this out myself and he calls her yeah no he calls sorry he calls chris's phone and she answers it yeah and she's like he called a cab he left his phone here i'm really worried about him i can't believe you Is haven't not seen with you him.
0: It's not with you. I'm so worried. And then that when he's like, "Oh," and I went, "Oh, I went to the police," and you see her like freeze, and she's like, "What did you say?" And then he knows, because she, she knows. He she knows. She. Oh, yeah. But like Rod, Rod realizes. Like I think Rod's quite careful in what he says to her, because he doesn't trust her. Not now. And, and Something bad says, is like, happening. Lying. Yeah. Lying. Yeah. I'm yeah, that's, yeah. That's it. He puts her on mute, and he's like, "Bitch, she's lying." yeah (laughs) Yeah, I love that it was brilliant and so then you kind
1: of then the action shifts back to him in the chair watching the video and, and you come to see the blind guy this Jim Hudson the guy he was speaking to earlier speaks to him and sort of explains like it's going to here's the three phases the first one is hypnotism the second one is the mental preparation and the third one is the the transplant essentially. And he, as he's explaining it, they cut to scenes of Georgina and Walter, which I thought was very effective as well. Um, and he even says, why black people? Yeah, Chris asks him, why, why black people? And, and Jim Hudson says, essentially they're stronger and they're faster and they're cooler. So this is just playing up to every single stereotype. Yeah, um, no, that ever what I was. thought was
0: interesting is he's right. That's why they picked black people but that's not why he's picked Chris. He wants to be able to see. Well, not even be able to see. He wants his eyes. He wants his vision. He was. He wanted to be an artist and he didn't yes. have the vision for it, but Chris mm-hmm. does. So he wants that. And that's what I found was really interesting was all of these other people are doing it because they want, like you said, they want to be faster, stronger, um, like fitter. They want to, you know, they, they want to be physically um, superior. So that's what, how they view black people i said they want to be cooler black is in fashion i think one of them says yes um and you know this this art guy i keep forgetting his name jim jim hudson jim hudson <laughs> he doesn't care about that he wants he wants his eyes almost like chris's soul in a way if mm. you think about it like you see at the very beginning of the film you see all of like chris's um, photos in, in his flat, and they are, you know, they're like people and they're beautiful and they really capture things. And, and he wants that. He wants his artistic soul, which I think is even creepier than
1: Definitely. just
0: wanting his body. It's like yes. he, wants his, he wants his body and his soul.
1: Absolutely. And so you and I was reminded. I'm like, oh, the dad's a neurosurgeon and the mom's a hypnotist. How fucking perfect is that? So you you kind of it cuts away to the operating room. Dad's
0: getting ready to operate. Sorry, um, sorry. sorry. it just let me laugh. The operating room. He's doing brain surgery by candlelight, and he was like, that is some white people shit. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> it's a, it gives it a romantic ambient glow as you're yeah. cutting it's Like, I'm gonna skull. do
0: my. I'm gonna do my incredibly. You know tricky brain surgery where I cut out a huge part of these people's brains and implant it in another person. I'm gonna do it by candlelight on my own. It's <laughs> like I like how he just like cuts um Jim's head off the like, top of his scarf and he's just like throwing it in a bin and he's like says yeah. her, the, the the brothers call he's like go and get him but yeah it's just surgery by candlelight. Who knew?
1: <laughs> it's like a Victoria it's like a throwback to the Victorian times. Yep. So yes what well, Chris has cleverly used the stuffing of the chair to put it in his ears and to avoid being hypnotized, but he, but he pretends like he is. So the brother wheels in a wheelchair to come get him for, to complete the surgery. And he, I thought he killed the brother, but I guess he attacks the brother with a ball, some sort of ball. I think it's like
0: a pool ball or, you know, like a, I think it was a bocce ball because don't they even mention bocce ball? Maybe it's, it's something like that. It's a heavy Heavy ball, he like Heavy,
1: um, recreational sport type ball. Yep. Smashes his head in, and then he uses. Then he pulls the deer, the deer head, the mounted deer head, off the wall, and uses the antlers to stab the father in the throat.
0: Yes, which I which loved.
1: I also loved two things. One, you're already going to say it's about the deer. I'll let you say that, but the other thing is, he's basically appropriating rich white people playthings and turning them into weapons.
0: Yep. So now comes my my deer rant. Yeah. <laughs> so the deer, obviously, we have the bit at the beginning where where they hit the deer, and it's kind of supposed to represent his his mom, the hit and run accident. You know, it brings up all this trauma for him. And then we have it where Rose and Chris arrive at the parents' house, and you know the family like oh how was your trip and they're like okay but we hit a deer and the dad goes on this really weird rant like really weird where he's like good i hate deer they're ruining the ecosystem like i think they all should go like one less of the bastards kind of thing and it's so creepy it just doesn't feel right and it's almost like he's like you talk about a genocide he's got these like genocidal thoughts like these things are less and can be hunted which I thought was really good when Chris wakes up in the room after he's been hypnotised and he's like strapped to the chair and above the TV is this deer head. And it's like, they, you know, the family it's this kind of comparison, you know, the family think that deer they're rich and they're white, so they can go out and hunt deer and put them up on their wall the same way that they're going out and hunting these black people and, and using them as trophies almost, you know, like, look what we can do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so like you said, the, the fact that then Chris takes this, he takes this symbol of the power this family think they have over, over the other, you know, like, black, black people, basically, and he uses it to fuck them up. Yeah. I loved that so much. He uses um, this symbol of, you know, on one hand, it's a deer, it's a symbol of innocence and, you know, purity And on the other hand, you know, in this film, in the context of the film, it's 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 almost like a a symbol of, like you said, of the family's idea that they are better because they can do this, they have the money, they have the capabilities, so they're going to, they are superior over the black people Mm -hmm. mentally. And he stabs the dad in the throat with it.
1: And and I love the way they did it too, because the dad literally turns around and it's like. Yeah. In the throat, and then he kind of stumbles, and you can see him trying to do something, and then he just goes down. But the whole—can I just say—the whole deer mounting deer heads, or your hunting conquests on the wall—I I find so strange. I've always found it strange. I've yeah. I never really understood why humans feel the need to do that.
0: It's not really to a show fair their fight. dominance over over nature. Over, but it's it's not a
1: fair fight. No, but having said that, I loved how the scene with Rose in her room where she's looking for her next victim, <sighs> sipping milk and listening to Dirty Dancing, which I thought yep. was-
0: she's there well. in her white bedroom, in a white shirt, and I love the fact she's got fruit loops and milk and she doesn't even want to she's got like the colored and the white and she doesn't want them to mix. Yeah, separate. Yes. Yeah. So she's like sipping her milk, listening to Dirty Dancing. And on um, the
1: wall behind her are all the pictures. And I mean, there was quite a lot of them, but you see Georgina, you see Walter, you see Logan of her her prizes, her trophy, yes. essentially, yep. her hunting trophies, yes. her prey. And oh that scene. That's that's where they really painted the picture of Rose. That's when you see her for who she really is. But the dirty th- dancing thing just cracked me up because I, I just thought it was very white. It's just yep. really white. <laughs> like but,
0: what, um, what, what would what would be like? The most white thing someone could be listening to, <laughs> "Dirty Dancing" soundtrack. I'm trying to think what would be were like what would be more white? ABBA. Mm,
1: maybe ABBA's quite white.
0: Cliff Richard. That's a British thing, though.
1: I'm thinking like really white music. I don't know, country. Maybe some country music, but I don't know. "Dirty Dancing's pretty apt. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> but yeah so chris is like i'm getting the fuck out of here he's killed the dad he's he seemingly think, killed yeah. the brother this is where it gets a bit hectic but and again going back to the comment about the pacing this is payoff though yep. this is what you call Perfect payoff. You've been building, building, building all this tension and dread. And then you get this payoff. And I mean, I think that, and I think Jordan Peel even said this in an interview. It doesn't matter what color you are at this point, you are rooting for Chris. and That is a, a unanimous feeling. We, we stand with Chris. Please kill all of these assholes. So oh yeah, he hits as he get he gets in the white car, the car from the opening scene, which I believe is the brother's car, gets in the car, goes to leave georgina he hits georgina and i think he has this kind of
0: flashback
1: to his mother yeah his, his
0: mother got hit got, got killed in a hit and run and so um, he feels
1: he can't leave her and so yeah. he, he goes back and tries to rescue her really
0: yeah he picks um, her up puts her in the car has has he fought the mom yet
1: no, that happens as he's trying to get out the door. The mom and the brother come for him. Yeah, yeah I
0: love the fact he essentially curb stomps the brother.
1: He curb stomps the brother and he smashes that
0: goddamn teacup from the yes, mom. Yes, that was my favorite. That was my favorite death in the film. She <laughs> lunges for it. Yeah, like, no. smashes it, and I can't remember. Does he strangle her? I can't remember what he does to the mom. I'm just her. looking through my notes and it gets because like it's quite hectic at this point and I've got the bit about Kerb stomps the brother. I just put good. He was a prick. <laughs> and then it's like about about Rose being in a white bedroom and then underneath I've just got strangles the bitch. And I'm like, I know he tries God to strangle did... Rose again the end, be... but I'm like, did he strangle the mum as well? I can't remember. Um, yeah, don't know. But she's effectively her her weapon. You know, was her teacup. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so she's gone. If your power lies solely in a teacup, this is not a good thing. No. So, so he disposes of her in some way. I don't know. I don't know either because the parts that really got me were kind of after that. So he, yeah, like when he, so Georgina then tries to attack him in the car and then Rose has got her hunting rifle and she's coming after them and she's like, go get him, grandpa. And so then you've got Walter, the groundskeeper, running after them. And Chris cleverly uses the flash on his phone to flash grandpa. Grandpa kind of comes to his senses for a minute
0: and turns the gun that he's carrying on Rose and shoots Rose in the stomach. Yeah, he like takes the gun. He's like, let me do it. So Rose hands the gun over to him and he just turns around and shoots her in the stomach, which I love. Same. I'm like, yes, yes bitch.
1: Then in his moment of clarity, turns the gun on himself, which is a devastating moment, I feel. But it's like, he would rather he would
0: rather be dead than live like this. And that's, you know, he's lost all autonomy of himself. He's lost, you know, he's no longer himself. And, but, oh, that, yeah. I just, so he shoots Rose, shoots himself
1: and Chris does put his hands around Rose's throat.
0: Cause she, she's still alive. And she tries to do Mm -hmm. something like get the gun or something like that. So, yeah, he gets on top of her and he starts, like, strangling her.
1: She's, she's like, Chris, help me. Oh, I love and you.
0: I love I you. I love you.
1: And then, and then you have-
0: he, he tries oh. to strangle her, but he can't do it. He can't bring uh, himself up. He, can't, he can't do it. He's but, but he's on top of her, trying to strangle her. And you have this moment where, like, all of a sudden there's flashing. Because he ring, while he's escaping, he rings the police. And he gets cut off when he hits Georgina. So he's, like, there. You know, there's, like, dead bodies around him because, you know, the, Walter is dead um georgina's dead she got killed when the car crashed rose is like shot and covered in blood he's Mm -hmm. covered in blood he's on top of her and you see these blue lights flashing and it's like the police are here and in most of the time if it was ours we'd be like yes the police are here but in this context you're like you've got a black man on top of a white woman surrounded by dead bodies Mm -hmm. and he just he gets up and puts his hands up because he he knows he knows he's fucked
1: which and she true. even such- reaches
0: over and she's like at the police she's like help me as if he's done this to her right like she's still playing the white woman victim 100
1: and it's and it's really powerful i think to see him there with his hands up that has just become such a like powerful imagery in a lot of the protests and things that happen there's yep. songs written about it like rap songs are written about it and so he and so he does that, and of course, you're absolutely right. In normal circumstances, you'd be thinking, oh, the police are here, everything's going to be okay. And in this instance, you're thinking, fuck, fuck, Chris is fucked, yeah. and it's not his fault, and he didn't do anything wrong, and it's he's fucked.
0: And then lo and behold, it's Brad. <laughs> yes, in his TSA car, giving <laughs> probably the best line of the film. It's like, I am TS motherfucking A. We handle shit. That's what we do. Consider this situation handled. <laughs> and when he's in the car, you know, his friend's covered in blood. There's dead bodies everywhere. And Rod's like, I told you not to go into the house. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: And then the scene where they drive off and you watch Rose slowly die in the street. There's, you, you kind of see this realization come over her face that being white ain't going to help you now.
0: Yeah.
1: And dies. Being rich and white and pretty doesn't do anything for you. And so she bleeds slowly to death in the street as they drive away. And then you've got the song that plays at the beginning, plays again at the end, the brother get out song. So yeah, I just- It is a fantastic film. Five stars. Five, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got all these really kind of heavy and serious uh, thematic elements, right? Like You've got cultural appropriation, You've got things like the white savior complex or the lack of intersectionality in, in white feminism and exploration of st- of status and, and class and all of these things handled so deftly, so well. So I just, yeah. So, I mean, I thought it was interesting that the first time I saw it, there was this twist. They're all talking about the twist and yeah, totally 100% did not see it coming. So I suppose- I can
0: remember I left the room and when I came back in, I was like, have you changed the channel? Like, is this, what? What am I, it was was like a different film. Because like you said, the the pace changed, the tone changed, Mm. everything was suddenly different. And I just remember being like, what, what have I missed? Like, what's happened? And that's why, and then I remember being like, so in awe of that the first time I watched it. And then the the second time I've watched it, in a way, I almost found it scarier the second time I watched it. I wonder if it's because... I was picking up on a lot more of Mm. the tension and things, you know, the, the little one-liners that are dropped, all the little clues that, you know, breadcrumbs that are left throughout it. I wonder if that's why, but I definitely found, like over the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is like, these people are acting really weird. But this time when I watched it, I'm like, this is fucking terrifying.
1: Because you know, you know what's going on. And in some ways you're right. It does make it scary
0: yeah it's just incredibly but it made, well done
1: it made me think and I feel like it's worthy of mention here that that you don't really have a lot of black quote-unquote black or African American or Caribbean Afro-Caribbean sort of films like this you you have more now but if you look back you've got obviously the very first Night of the Living Dead yep there was a lot of and I think even, um, was it George Romero
0: said that that was unintentional. Yeah, but it was. Um, it, it wasn't written as a black man. It was just that, the, that he was the best actor.
1: But you can't escape the fact that here is this black man, okay, being attacked by hordes of primarily white zombies to the point where he's locked in a house and he's locked in a house with a white woman. I mean, other people as well, but they're all white.
0: Yeah, and they, never they never mentioned his blackness, which I love. I thought that, like, if yeah. you look back on it, it was like the, the, you know, outside of the film, everybody mentioned it because it was unheard of at the time. Right, right. But within the film, it's never really mentioned. Like when he's, I've forgotten the guy's name. Is it George? No, that's, that's George Romero. I'm thinking of, that's why I've got the name George in my head. But oh, yeah. The,
1: he, the actor or the character.
0: The character, yeah. Oh I gosh, I don't name. remember Yeah, that. I can't remember his name. But, you know, when he's like taking charge because everyone's like bickering and fighting and it, and and. You know, in, in that era, if that happened, I think there would have been, you know, in reality, that probably wouldn't have gone down too well. But they're just like, OK, you know, it's not like, but oh, there, you can't be in charge because whole... you're black. which but I Yeah, like.
1: but there's also the idea that being black in that era, he would have had to function day to day with some level of fear and awareness of his surroundings that those white people didn't have to have. And that, and that I think is something that he, Jordan Peele took into this film as well, because then of course you've got Candyman, you know, the nineties version, which was, you know, uh, maybe like a little bit less self-aware and then the new Candyman, very self-aware. And then, you know, you just don't have a ton of movies. And I, he said in an interview, Jordan Peele, that he wanted to make a horror movie for Black people. He wanted to combat the lie that America was post-racism, which we talked yep. about a little earlier. But I mean, and I think he won an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay.
0: Yeah. This. And it was, very, very, it was nominated Very, very... It was nominated for four, I think. Was it? Best Actor, Best Picture, and Best Director. Yeah. And then it won Best best Screenplay.
1: Yeah, and it won Best Original Screenplay. Yeah. I and mean, I'm
0: pretty sure that puts him... I, there aren't very many... People I can think of who win an Oscar for their first film.
1: Jesus, no, and probably hardly any African Americans. Oh, absolutely, category yeah. either. So, just a triumph all around, I think, really. And I and oh, something else that I wanted to point out that I heard, that I heard in an interview. It was a Fox Fox Five that I saw on YouTube. There, there was an interview with Alison Williams who plays Rose and Daniel Kaluuya plays Chris. And she says that scene where he sits there with tears streaming down his face, it's now become really kind of the main image of the film. When you see that image, you know, exactly what film they're talking about. And she said that every time he had to do that scene, he nailed it in the exact same way every time. And that just his acting skills are that he's that good. He's incredible. I love that little backstory just (laughs) because that, because that, that image is so powerful and it's so, it just makes you feel so many emotions, you know? Definitely. But yeah, I mean, I think, I believe this film has a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, which, which is unusual for horror in and of itself, but just very well deserved. Yeah. Absolutely. Going back to the scoring system, I mean, I, I backed in, not at all. Five stars. Yeah, the I'm page. with you. I really, Five stars. I, really, really, I, lo- I love the film. And I, I actually was surprised that I hadn't revisited it. And I think part of the reason I hadn't is because it's so good at what it does in the sense that it really does scare you and make you feel some type of way about all kinds of complicated things that I hadn't revisited it for that reason, because it's because it's powerful. But I'm glad, I'm glad we I'm glad
0: we watched it. I yeah, I mean it was one of the ones that when we were first talking about doing the podcast, and we're like, what what should we do? And we're like, oh, we should definitely watch Get Out. It was definitely it's one that we've talked about doing quite a few times. Um, so I'm glad that we have got it done now. Yes, definitely.
1: absolutely. Did you see us his second no,
0: one? No, but it is on Prime, I think. So I might watch it. It's about doppelgangers, isn't it? yeah I think yeah. that's maybe, maybe why I haven't been like that bothered about it but apparently it's very good so I,
1: I've seen it 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 is good I have complicated feelings about it It'd probably make for an interesting episode I did not enjoy it as much as this I did not like it I didn't think it was as effective or scary because ultimately for me what where I'm scoring high on any film how afraid am I how scared am I from this movie how much is it yeah. making me think or disturbing me after the fact how much of my time am I thinking about it after the film ends and so those things all come into play as well Excellent. so get out see it and we rented it on what was it Amazon,
0: I re- Amazon Prime it was three forty nine dollars to rent or four yeah. ninety nine dollars to buy everyone should watch that if you haven't seen it watch it if you have seen it, please let us know what you think, if there are any points yes. Engage that us, we've missed back to that, or yeah, we, re- we really want to hear from you in all the ways I've mentioned before. So Absolutely. Please. And
1: um, until, until next week.
0: Until next week.
1: Alright, Brothers Keg, take us out.
0: Yes. Bye.
1: Bye.